Welcome to the Andy Staples Show and Friends podcast feed, the flagship college football podcast at The Athletic. Thank you so much for joining us. I am Sam Kahn, senior college football writer at The Athletic, also known as The Techspert, joined by my good friend, esteemed colleague of more than a decade, Max Olson, national college football writer at The Athletic, our transfer portal realignment expert, covers college football coast to coast. Max, it's week one. How are you doing today? I'm good, man. Uh, I, I got a nice little nice little appetizer with week zero. I enjoyed it. I don't, I don't, did you have to run around with the kids all weekend, or did you get to plop down on the couch a little bit? Uh, Saturday, I got to watch the games. I got to I got to stay up for North Texas and UTEP, and I say stay up loosely because I kind of maybe maybe ran out of steam there in the middle of the fourth quarter of that eight of that nine o'clock central kick. Uh, but yeah, I was I was texting Andy and Ari during uh, Vandy Hawaii in in the second quarter. I'm just like, fellas, I'm tapped out. Can't do it. See ya. I, I, I'm in preseason mode, but I'm I'm going to be in midseason mode by the time we kick off this weekend. But welcome to our new podcast. It's a new season. We got a new show for you. Max and I are going to be here with you every week in the Andy Staple Show and Friends feed, and we'll talk about college football through our lens. As as I mentioned, Max covers a lot of ground. He's our expert on the transfer portal. If you guys didn't check it out last week, log on at theathletic.com. Check that transfer portal top 100 that he and Bruce Feldman did with the 100 most impactful transfers in college football this year. Max is all over the realignment, which, of course, was a big topic of conversation this summer. Last summer, it seems to be every so often that comes back around. Yep. That's right. Uh, It's an annual deal now. Uh, Max, of course, lives in Nebraska, covers college football across the country, uh, has spent some time in Big 12 country, spent some time in Big 10, even goes West Coast, East Coast. You got it. And, of course, you know me as a tech expert down here in the great state of Texas. Uh, I've covered football in this state for 17 years, cover college football and recruiting in the state of Texas now. And uh, that, that's going to be me. That's going to be my flavor is a lot of Texas, Texas A&M, Baylor, TCU, even some Houston, even some – we'll do some meeping with UTSA from time to time, <laughs> I'm have sure. To. Uh, but Max and I are excited to bring you, bring you a fresh podcast with, with discussion of the teams and storylines that interest the most. Today we'll, we'll talk about the five things that each of us are looking forward to in week one, and we'll have some guests on a fairly regular basis. Today we're kicking off with a good one. Max, we've got West Virginia coach Neil Brown to come – and preview the backyard brawl on Thursday night. I'm excited for that game. How about you? I'm fired up. Yeah, you know, and and if just in case there's any confusion, you know, this is not one true pod, but this is a true pod. It'll just be a true <laughs> pod that we'll do on a weekly basis. You know, we'll still talk plenty of Big Twelve, but but also lots of uh, lots of other stuff that's kind of within uh, within our interests and and what we're covering each week and the games we're going to and all that. So, um, you know, looking forward to continue doing this on a weekly basis and, uh, you know, getting to BS with you, buddy. Yeah, uh, I am going to miss our former co-host, Jason Kersey. Salute to him, who's off at law school at Oklahoma. Uh, Boomer Sooner, we hope you're uh, we hope you're doing well reading all that text, Jason. <laughs> yeah, hope, hope, hope that homework's going well, buddy. <laughs> but let's get right into it. Uh, five things we're looking forward to. Week one is here. Uh, we've got five straight days of games. We've got a smorgasbord of college football for you. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, even games on Sunday and Monday night. So uh, a full slate of action for, for fans this weekend. I, I'm fired up that we're here, but I'll start with me. The, the thing I'm looking forward to the most uh, and most anxious to see is Quinn Ewer's debut at Texas. We've, we've heard so much about Quinn. He was the number one who's recruit that? in his who, class. Who, who is that guy? Who, who are you talking about? It's that guy getting all these NIL deals. Like every time I look, he's uh he he's he's doing a commercial, he's doing a social media post, uh he he's raking raking it in at, at Texas. But 
Uh, they have ULM, Louisiana Monroe. They're huge favorites, but it's Quinn's debut technically, or not technically, but officially to me because he only got on the field last year for one game, that blowout against Michigan State, and only took two snaps, which were both handoffs. So we haven't seen him throwing a live pass in a game since 2020. So I'm really interested to see what Texas' new starting quarterback looks like. What What do you think, Max, with all his the buildup and his high recruiting status? He, he was number one overall recruit. What should we expect from Quinn this weekend? I think he's going to win the Heisman this weekend. <laughs> one game, it's a lock. If he just throws like three touchdown passes, you will hear Ari on this podcast feed putting Quinn at the top of the Heisman list with without hesitation. Um, you know, honestly, Sam, last year was pretty instructive, though, because you had Sark's opener, uh, of, you know, his debut as Texas head coach. You had uh, Hudson Card's debut uh, as, as the starter. And, uh, you know, that game against a good, a better Louisiana team than, than the, you know, Monroe team they'll play this week. Uh, I think we, we get to see a pretty good sense of probably what we should expect this weekend where, um, you know, they're going to, they're going to drop some good stuff that, that really highlights what he can do, uh, especially in, in, in sort of those, those red zone and critical situations. And I, I think they're going to, you know, kind of come with their, I mean, you got Alabama, right? So you, in some ways you're saving some good stuff for, for the, the game against the Crimson Tide that's coming up next, but um, you know, I think this is a chance, kind of like the you know spring game, where you get you know you drop some stuff that that Quinn Ewers likes, and you just try to kind of play to his strengths and get him comfortable. And especially when you're talking about, I mean, I don't know, Sam, we're we going to see a bunch of freshman offensive linemen this week. Yeah, yeah, I think we will. You'll, you'll probably see Kelvin Banks starting at left tackle. Uh, you'll probably you could see one or two more, uh, especially now the, the junior Angulao injury, which which is a, yeah. which really hurts Texas, but. I'll tell you this. I went and looked. Over, I went over there to practice a couple weeks ago and watched some of those freshman offensive linemen. They're big, they're big, and they look like they look like uh, big time offensive linemen. So I understand why they've got some guys that are not the like wait and see in two years kind of guys no. on the offensive line. No, they've got a couple dudes that look like they can play today, which uh, they will in about three days. So, uh, so that that's you, you, you think heavy Bijan though? I mean, like in, just in terms of how they approach it, you just try and take the pressure off the freshman. You have to. I mean, you're crazy not to. And it's not even just about taking pressure off the freshman. It's about that's your best player and one of the best players in college football. You got to feed him the ball. And I think that was one thing that of all the things that went wrong at Texas last year, that's one thing that Sark did right is he fed Bijan early and often. I think Bijan averaged around 22 touches a game on average, which was a pretty big jump from what it had been his true freshman season. Bijan's five star too. There's a reason. There's a reason why he's on a lot of these Heisman Trophy watch lists and uh, preseason speculation. So I think you got to feed him as much as you can. Uh, Obviously, that's going to be your best bet probably when you get to Alabama week two is is feeding it to him. But uh, they, they've got they, they've got Xavier Worthy too, and they've got they've got some other playmakers that they brought in. So uh, I, I think that's a good way to get them comfortable. And, and I think, like you said, it's all about building Quinn's confidence this week. Yeah, and uh, you know, let's let's again go back to last year. Um, can, can you know they they next game after that opener for Hudson card, they go to Arkansas and, and just get whooped. Right. And, and then change quarterbacks. So like, I think you've got to figure out how can we do some things with these, th- this game to kind of help build up the confidence to, for a big moment, even though Louisiana Monroe, their players are not going to look like Nick Saban's players. No, no, it, it is very, it is very much with the call a grand opening, the soft opening. This is a soft opening for sure. Soft launch for, for sure for, yeah. te- for Texas. So Max, what is the, what is the thing you're looking for most in week one? What are you most excited about this week? So I don't know if you noticed this over the off season, but 
uh, Oklahoma fans are, are, are still not, not super happy for Lincoln Riley. Um, <laughs> a lot of attention to what's going on over at SC. Lots of, uh, you know, just a real classic divorce was what we saw. So I, for me, it's, it's, uh, it's Venables and Riley and their debuts at, at, uh, <laughs> at Oklahoma and USC respectively. There's just been a lot of, uh, people looking over the fence and making comments and, uh, <laughs> You know, you've you've got uh, some Oklahoma fans who uh, I would say probably are not rooting for Lincoln Riley and his the coaches that he took with him to USC. Obviously, both teams have uh, you know this is the the big debut for for new transfer quarterbacks that have high expectations. I mean, really, the highest ex- expectations when we did our our portal one hundred that you mentioned. Um, you know, Caleb Williams is number one. I believe Dylan Gabriel is number four. These are two guys that have a chance to really swing the playoff race, and so I'm excited to see how they look with all the transfers around them. Um, obviously that's kind of my beat. So that's what I'm curious to see is all these new faces. But I, I think it's, uh, you know, what does that debut look like for Jeff Levy's offense at Oklahoma? And, and, you know, even if it's a little more vanilla for, for Brent Venables uh, against UTEP, uh, what's he bringing on defense? And then on the SC side, just like I said, all those new pieces, how does Alex Grinch take what they've got on defense and, and, and figure something out there? Um, I'm, I'm excited to watch those two games. You've got, as I said, Oklahoma taking on UTEP, 2.30 Central on Fox, and then USC has Rice, 5 p.m. on Pac-12 Network, which I'll have to find some way to watch Pac-12 Network, but that's, uh, you know, we're going to have to figure out some some way. But um, it's going to be sure a really I'm sure the Oklahoma fans will find a way to watch Pac-12 Network. For sure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's I think it's going to be a long season of everyone looking over the fence and, and making little comments and hating. And uh, I, which of those two teams, I guess, are you more, more intrigued by uh, in terms of just catching that opener, Sam? D- definitely Oklahoma. I mean, I will watch the USC Rice because it's Rice is involved in uh, fun fact, apparently, uh, David Bailiff, who used to be the Rice coach, once tried to hire Lincoln Riley as offensive coordinator right after they got let go at Tech before Lincoln went over to join Ruffin McNeil at, at East Carolina. But uh, but I'll, I'm more interested in the Oklahoma game just because... Wait, Sam, didn't your alma mater interview Lincoln Riley, too? That, that's right. University of Houston did in the day. interview Lincoln Riley. That's right. Uh, right, bef- right after Tom Herman left, I believe it was. That's right. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, he, did not, he did not take the job, and... Probably worked out for him pretty well because he did pretty well at Oklahoma, and now he's got himself a cush new job at USC. But I, I'm more interested, I think, in Oklahoma because you get you bring Venables back, obviously a, a link from the Stoops era, who had a tremendous amount of success there. Uh, he's a guy that we've been waiting to see when's he going to take that step to be the head coach. It's here now. It's going to be his head coaching debut. I think we know what to expect from a sideline demeanor standpoint because we watched a lot of Clemson football and a lot of Oklahoma football over the years. But I'm like you, I'm intrigued to see the the pairing of Jeff Lebby and Dylan Gabriel getting back together and what's that offense going to look like. How are they going to feed the ball to Marvin Mims more than they did last year, which I think is uh, something you point out when you just say the program, they probably didn't target him enough last year. Uh, I think when yeah, we uh, went definitely to, not. That's when we a, went to a, Red River. Easy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, when we went to Red River last year, Marvin Mims t- caught a touchdown. And that was his first touchdown catch all year. And I-, I thought to myself, why is Red River the first touchdown catch all season for Marvin Mims? <laughs> I-, I remember y'all were just like, remember that guy? Yeah. Yeah. He get him the he- ball more. He exists. So so I, I think I'm more interested to see uh, – and I said I said the Texas part too. They're-, they're playing UTEP, who, of course, opened their season last week with a loss to North Texas. But I'm more intri- intrigued by Oklahoma because – uh, they're just—they are still a power program. They're still going to be a Big Twelve title contender, 
And I'm just curious to see, hey, what does that first look look like with this new staff and and all these new pieces? So uh, that that's that, that's going like to be a the, fascinating like the weekend. ceiling is definitely top ten team, maybe even top five kind of team. I mean, that's the ceiling. Now, I I just can't with you know, how does this all really fit together in year one for them? Do they have everything they need? You know, maybe not totally. I I, I don't know, but uh, OU is just one of those. When you actually look at the playoff race, I feel like that's just one that. You know, when we were all doing our our final four projections, I don't think anyone picked OU, but they've got they've got some players now. They've got a chance here. Uh, if if they were to win the Big Twelve, nobody would be shocked by that. But you know, and you know, how much are you going to find out against UTEP? I don't really know. But uh, that the differences in terms of what a Brent Venables team looks like is is going to be pretty fun to follow. Yeah, no doubt. And and like you said, Big Twelve wide open this year, wide open. It doesn't feel like it has in the past where it's Oklahoma and everyone else. So that I, I think it's going to – this weekend will, too, be, be about getting a look at some of these teams and, and how those contenders in that conference, you know, what they look like early on and what should we expect from them. Speaking of Big 12 teams. All right, what's next on your list? TCU. They, they open up the Sunny Dykes era at Colorado on Saturday, and they are the one team, in, at least in this state, who has not named a starting quarterback. Sonny Dykes has said – Max Duggan, Chandler Morris will both play. Sam Jackson, who is the number three quarterback, who uh, both he and Garrett Riley have been excited by, will play. So we kind of got a three-headed monster. And I know that we see multiple quarterbacks playing in, in early season games or, or debuts, but usually it's a game against an FCS team or a lower-end group of five. This is going on the road against a Power 5 team, and you're saying, hey, we're going to play all three guys. I'm really intrigued to see how that works out. Uh, certainly seems to be a different approach than what Sonny took at SMU, but – between Max Duggan and Chandler Morris, uh, do you get a sense, Max, of which one of these guys might fit Garrett Riley's offense better or, or and what kind of impact we could see from Sam Jackson? Yeah, why don't they just take the Harbaugh approach? Just get, you know, <laughs> give each guy a game. Give Max Duggan game one. Well, then would you have to do three then? Because then you have to that give would be the Sam Jackson the go. week three start. You know, that you have to give that, all three That guys. would be the biblical approach. Yeah, <laughs> potentially. Um, I, I think – from my just my sense on where they're going offensively under Garrett Riley, and this is something that when I when I visited TCU this summer and, and talked with Sonny Dykes about it, he he kind of made that point that if you whether you go with Duggan or you go with Morris, you do have to kind of tailor the offense a little bit around what they do best, and and I I think you know certainly we've seen the QB run game be a little bit more present in terms of when Max Duggan's played in his career. Not that Chandler Morris can't bring that to the table, we saw that last season against Baylor, but. Um, I, I do think you, you there are probably little finer points that you tweak in terms of what you're doing offensively with them. I, I think Chandler Morris probably overall is maybe more of the fit in terms of Garrett Riley's history or the history of this this offensive system they're bringing. But Max more, Max Duggan's going to be a hard guy to beat out. And I you know Sam you, you mentioned Sam Jackson. It seemed like just a ton of hype on Sam Jackson's coming out of fall camp. What did he do to 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 get make this a three man thing instead of the the two man race that that we all expected. Yeah, I think it's it's one it's pure ability. Uh, you know, I, I, when I visited with Garrett in in the spring, I think the one thing he was really impressed by was a how well he threw it, but he's also he's also a really good athlete. So uh, I think long term, I think he could he be the guy that would be interesting to see if if it turns out that way. Uh, but they certainly seem to feel good about him and. This was a staff, let's keep in mind, that coming out of spring... And by the way, describe him like this is a different dude than the other two. Yeah, no, no. no We're talking a 5'11", redshirt freshman right. out of Chicago who's who can really hit some explosive plays. Right, right, no doubt, no doubt. And we're talking about a, a staff that coming out of spring 
or before spring started, thought maybe they might have to go in the portal for a guy. And they came out and said, you know what? We feel good enough with these guys and we can win with these guys. We're not going to take a portal quarterback. Uh, and, and, and they looked around. They sniffed around for sure. But, yeah, the, the, he's a little bit of different stature, a little bit different size, a little different ability. And I think that he provides a wild card for them. And so that was one thing I think when I, when I visited Sonny back in, in July, he called him the secret weapon. He said, that's our secret weapon. And I'm like, well, now you're telling us all of it. But that's why I love Sonny, because Sonny will just tell us everything. Meanwhile, Steve Sarkis is not putting out a depth chart at Texas. But When we were doing the state of the program on TCU, I asked Garrett Riley, is, is Sam Jackson a quarterback? Just because I hadn't, you know, smaller guy. Sometimes when you have a staff change, you, you, they have a certain thing they're looking for. Maybe you take a guy like him and treat him more like more of an athlete, move him to receiver. So I said, is he is he a quarterback? He's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a quarterback. <laughs> so they, I mean, they love that kid, for yeah. sure. Yeah, so so I'll, I'll be again. This I mean, is a, he didn't quite say it like that. He's he's a much more cool, chill guy than me. So yeah. he's like, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> the uh, this is but this is like I said, a road power five game. So this is going to be fascinating to see uh, how this plays mm-hmm. out. How do they divvy up the snaps? What what are the packages they use for different, these different guys? Uh, so so it's it's one of those things that, that I'm interested in watching just because I'm curious to see. How it goes, Max? Uh, you next on your list is you have a game that I'm interested in as well. Yeah, we've we've both got this one on our top five here. Um, Cincinnati going down to Fayetteville. Time to time to go earn some respect again uh, for for Luke Fickle's squad uh, playing at Arkansas, a top twenty five opponent. Um, this is going to be. I, I I think Cincinnati. You know they are ranked, um, and I think that. The American race this year, Sam. I'd be curious for how you size it up here um, with some pretty pretty good teams coming back here. But um, this is a chance for Cincinnati. You know, the the the. I'm sure that the sort of bitter taste of that playoff game against Alabama, uh, you know, lingers with this team a little bit. You lose obviously Desmond Ritter and a lot of guys to the NFL, and and it is you you are starting over a little bit after making that run with such a veteran team, but. Um, I love what they did in terms of bringing back Ben Bryant, who was with them, left and transferred to Eastern Michigan, had a good year last year, and decided to come back and be the guy. I think he'll start. We haven't named a starter yet, but I think he'll start. And this is just a great test for Cincinnati as, as they start to make that transition towards the Big 12 and, and want to be one of those programs that is a contender every year in the Big 12. Uh, this is really going to be a, a, a great test of where they're at in terms of their roster and their program building. Um, in terms of lining up against a, a really good uh, top 25 uh, Arkansas squad that has K.J. Jefferson back that obviously can do a lot of stuff on offense even uh, after losing Traylon Burks. And it, it, we mentioned it before. We saw the difference when Texas went down there. I, I think this is uh, you know one of the better G5, Power 5 matchups we're going to get all year, and we get it in week one. Yeah, no, I, I'm really intrigued by that. Like, you get a top 25 game, and, and this is not just, I think, a big game for Cincinnati. I think it's a big year for Cincinnati because, like you said, yep. they're moving to the Big 12, and this is a chance to show, okay, we've been recruiting really well at a really high level, and it all culminated in that playoff run. But the test is, once you've reached that peak, can you come back? Can you come back and have another strong year and stack double-digit win seasons and or conference championships on top of it. And, and you're right. It's, it's not going to be easy for them. Uh, one of the, the next thing on my list was that game as well as Houston and UTSA Houston opens up. That's the team that everyone's looking at as potentially the next team to win the American that they, they played last year for the championship. Of course, went up to Cincinnati, Cincinnati ended up winning that and going on to the playoff. 
But Houston's a team that's gotten some offseason buzz of potentially making a run like that. I don't think their schedule it will allow them to get into the playoff, but I do think they are building a roster in a very similar manner. A lot of Power 5 players, either whether it's via straight recruiting, whether it's transfer portal, Holgerson's got a really, really good staff. Those two teams, in my mind, are going to be on a collision course for that title again this year. Uh, apologies to SMU, who I think is probably going to be in the mix as well, but I think Houston, Cincinnati, I put them a, a, a notch above it right now. But these are big seasons for those two teams, UCF as well. All these teams that are going to be taking that step into the Big 12 next year. So it's not just big openers for these teams, but it's a big year overall. Definitely. Yeah, I, I think that um, and it, that transition process is uh, it's going to be, you know, it's, it's really going to begin pretty quickly here after the season wraps up. And just in terms of, you know, you, you have a chance to recruit to that already and, and, and sort of sell kids on, hey, come here, we're, we're moving up in the world. But uh, in, in terms of, uh, you know, making that transitioning your roster and your organization into what you have to be to compete at a power five level. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a big change. And, and, you know, Cincinnati has been as good as anyone in terms of investing in football and, uh, you know, recently and, and, you know, doing the things they need to do, uh, as an organization to be ready for the big 12 as much as you can be. And there's going to be, there's, there's going to be, uh, I think challenges in those first few years in terms of just catching up and figuring out, you know, what kind of talent level you need to, to really play in these close games every week in the big 12. But, um, what a great opportunity just to find out if, you know, even without Desmond Ritter and the guys they lost, can this be a team that, uh, you know, does what they did last year? I mean, when they went, when those games against, uh, against Indiana and, and, and then obviously against Notre Dame, um, they went out and earned a lot of respect and, and really put themselves in, in a position to do some, something that no one that had ever done at the G5 level in terms of making a playoff. And so, uh, th- this game looms large in terms of uh, Cincinnati really being a, a top 25 team the rest of the year and uh, you know having a chance to be in that playoff conversation. No doubt, no doubt. Speaking of earning respect, the team that I know has earned your respect and my respect this offseason is Kansas State. Of course, we love Deuce Vaughn. We're big Deuce Vaughn fans here on this podcast. But you wrote a great story about their new transfer quarterback, former Nebraska quarterback Adrian Martinez, uh, I know you had him on your list as excited about his debut. What are you looking for from Adrian Martinez this week? Yeah, yeah, K State. Um, I they're not even really the dark horse anymore, are they, Sam? Like, there's just been in, in August. I feel like we saw so much K State hype. I know Stu's on board uh, in terms of K State being the team that can win the Big Twelve and uh, and and being like they're just not a sleeper anymore. I think everyone's kind of onto them now. Maybe they're a little overhyped. We'll see, but. Um, you know I, this K State opener. They've they've got South Dakota, and I I'm just I really it's a solid FCS squad. Almost beat KU last year, so this is not a total cupcake. But um, really interested to see what Adrian Martinez looks like at Kansas State. I, I, and that's part of the fun of this man is just I felt this way last week with Week Zero. It was like you, when you make that transition from looking at them on paper to actually seeing what it actually looks like. Um, it's 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 fascinating, and I, and I think it will be with K State just in terms of what Colin Klein's going to do on offense, uh, the way they use Adrian Martinez. I don't think they'll run him as much. He doesn't want to run as much. Um, you know, do they turn up the tempo with him? Does this offense, you know, do they have the weapons at wide out to, to be one of the better offenses in the big 12? Um, I, I, it was, you know, Adrian Martinez obviously was trending on Twitter over the weekend <laughs> among the folks that, uh, 
watch the game on Saturday. I, I, I saw all of it. There's, I'm sure he did too. I'm sure he, he, he was well aware of it. Uh, there early on in that game with Casey Thompson was, was lighting up, uh, Northwestern. There was a lot of, uh, Nebraska folks saying, man, I'm really happy to have a real QB now. And we've got, we've got a dude now here. <laughs> and then late in the game and afterward, there's a lot of uh, people coming around to, you know, maybe, maybe their Husker struggles weren't, uh, totally Adrian Martinez's fault. Uh, I did so, see a lot. I did see a lot of maybe it wasn't Adrian Martinez's fault on Twitter. On so a lot of that. And look, I mean, for Adrian Martinez, uh, you know, the best best uh, revenge is living well. You know, and he's got a chance to do that this year in Manhattan. Um, and and as you've seen this week, like just the hot seat pressure on Nebraska uh, on Scott Frost and its players is, is on another level now. And that's I'm I'm sure Adrian Martinez is relieved to not be living under that cloud anymore. Um, I, I think K State's got a chance to do something pretty special this year. He's got to stay healthy. He's got to be consistent. Um, but I think uh, this this opener against South Dakota, good chance to kind of show off. Here's what it could look like when it's really clicking. Yeah, I, I, I'm fascinated. I know you said they're not going to run as much, but he's such an electrifying talent. And I think the combination of him and Deuce Vaughn in that backfield has got potential for some real, real fireworks if they use it right. I, I, I'm excited I think they could do that. some surprising stuff. Yeah, for sure. And, and they still want to get him out on the edge and let him make plays. Um, with his feet but uh, yeah it's going to be that that debut I think he has a chance to you know really kind of show people he's going to be a little bit different this year yeah check that story on theathletic.com Max did a great profile of Adrian Martinez and thanks man what's what's next on your list next on my list is all the quirkiness we get in week one we get overreactions everybody overreacts to week one and the, the classical reaction that I always remember it's from 2014 when Texas A&M beat South Carolina on that opening game at SC Network when we Thursday, right? Thursday night, yeah. Kenny, Kenny Hill turned to Kenny Trill, uh, and, we, and we crowned. It was the day, the, the season after Johnny Manziel had moved on to the draft, and we crowned Texas A&M that night. And then it all it all came crashing down by midseason. Uh, so you know we'll get some overreactions from from week one. Uh, we get late night kickoffs. We'll, we'll have Hawaii uh, midnight Eastern kick for Hawaii this week, so so that'll be fun. Uh, we get so always get some under the yeah, radar. Western Kentucky Hawaii. You think I'm not watching that game? Of course, Come on. of course. Uh, I'm definitely going to. Like I said, I got my warm up last week trying to stay up for North Texas UTEP. So this week I'm going to see if I can make it all the way through and stay up mm-hmm. all the way. Uh, under the radar matchups. I looked at this Central Michigan Oklahoma State game is interesting for one reason. Do you remember the 2016 game, Max, between Central Michigan and Oklahoma State in Stillwater? <laughs> yes, who could, who could forget the way that – I mean, Mike Gundy has not has not ever gotten over that. No, sure. no. There was a intentional grounding as they ran the clock out, and then the officials incorrectly put uh, – gave the ball – it was a fourth down. And they incorrectly gave possession to Central Michigan and gave them an untimed down, which Cooper Rush used to throw a Hail Mary, which was then lateraled, and then – ran into the end zone to win the game for Central Michigan and upset Oklahoma State. That was a week two game, not a week one game in 2016. But Central Michigan is coming off a 9-4 season, going to Oklahoma State. I'm sure there's a lot of Pokes fans who are probably a little nervous about that one just because of the last time they visited Stillwater. So we get all that. We get all that. And that's a, that's a Thursday kick, I think, right? Is I think that's a Thursday kick, right? Yeah. Right. So – we get we all that a couple sil- good games sil- silliness, yeah. zaniness, yeah, and and I, I I'm excited about just all the fun we'll get out of week one. Max, what's what's next for you? I, I, this for sure is familiar to me and you both. Um, well, we sh- we should probably hit the biggest game of the week, and that's that's Ohio State Notre Dame, 
And for me, um, having covered the guy and, and uh, you know, watched their, his defenses a lot, you mentioned it, Oklahoma State, Sam. Um, it's it's Jim Knowles, and, and what he what is he going to do at Ohio State this year? Um, you know, they opened the season at home against Notre Dame in just a, a incredible game that will really set the tone in terms of the playoff race um, to start off, just like we had, you know, we had some of those last year with, like, Georgia and Clemson to open up. Um, I, I think, I you know, that – what he can pull off in year one is going to decide if they can win a national championship at Ohio state this year. I mean, they've got the pieces on offense. They've got the Heisman contenders all over that offense. Um, and, and <laughs> last year by Ohio state standards, the defense was a disaster. Uh, and, and I think 38th in, in scoring defense, but obviously in their biggest games, uh, you know, whether it's Oregon or Michigan, uh, they were really bad and, and really got beat up. And so um, Jim Knowles comes in from Oklahoma state, Fourth in stop rate last year, and I know he he's a fan of stop rate, so I'm a fan of him. Yeah, he um, is. <laughs> <laughs> he, you know, he had a very very veteran defense that, that led the country in sacks and TFLs, and they played extremely good situational football, and they were just they they were really dominant in the Big Twelve last year in a way that we hadn't really seen in the last decade. And so, you know, when you move up to Columbus, you're obviously you're working with a lot of five star and, and high four star dudes there. Can you put it all together and, and, and put to, you know find a defense that can at least you know not give up huge plays and, and not get you in trouble in big games? I, I, I think this opener against Marcus Freeman and, and his debut uh, is such a great it's a great moment to really to see what is this going to look like for Jim Knowles in terms of his best eleven out there. Can he get this pass pass rush activated for Ohio State? Do they have the right players on the back end to get it done? Um, I, I think Jim Knowles is going to be a big story this year and, and probably flew under the radar a little bit until Oklahoma State got really good last season. Um, but, you know, if, if Ryan Day is smart, he'll do what Mike Gundy did, and he will leave that dude alone and let him do what he wants during the week and, and, and just trust that he's going to do it right. Uh, I, I think Jim Knowles is is uh, the real deal, and and it's a big it's a big challenge for him, and that's why he moved on from Oklahoma State to try something a, a lot more difficult. Um, so uh, that that game, I'm I, you know, do you have uh, a sense of who you think is going to come out of that one, Sam? Not really, but I will say this: I'm with you on Jim Knowles because what he did at Oklahoma State was, I think, nothing short of impressive. Because it not he not only built a really impressive sound defense there. But it essentially changed the way that they play football there because we always knew Mike Gundy as an offensive mind, high tempo, wide open. And not to say he's not still that, but I think Gundy adjusted the way he manages games because of what Jim Knowles was able to accomplish on defense. Say, hey, this is yeah. our strength. We're going to lean into that. And that that's no small feat. And hey, Jim Knowles is a fan of stop rate, which means he's a fan of you. And so that means I'm a fan of Jim Knowles. And, and we, 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 need to get, we need to give you the other title is the father of the stop rate here because we see those slides that Jim Knowles does as coaching clinics for Ohio high school coaches that says stop rate per Max Olson, senior writer at The Athletic, on yeah. his, on his uh, coaching clinic slide. So shout out Jim shout Knowles. Out, shout out to that guy. I mean, there's, there's, there's <laughs> dozens of people out there who appreciate stop rate, and I appreciate that he's, he's one of them. I lo- I look for I look for it every time you drop it, Max. I I love uh, that'll be back it. this fall too. We'll have that back here after a few games here when we get a real sense of uh, you know we get a few games in you get a lot better data. But uh, yeah, stop right. We'll be back, folks. Yeah, I'm excited about that. And and last but not least on number five on both of our list, uh, backyard brawl. It's back. West Virginia at Pitt. First time these two teams will meet since November twenty fifth, two thousand eleven. Uh, a rivalry rekindled. These are things that we lose in realignment, unfortunately. 
And to me, I'm excited about this one because they are such heated rivals. Obviously, there's a lot of proximity geographically. And it's a reminder to all those schools out there, <clears throat> Texas, Texas A&M, just because you're in different conferences does not mean you have to avoid that opponent. You can still play each other. So I'm very excited to see uh, the Panthers and Mountaineers getting back together for backyard brawl on Thursday night. Yeah, this is one thing that that um, their AD Shane Lyons deserves a lot of credit for. He he knows that their fan base, you know, they they want to play these regional rivals that they used to have, and so they've scheduled a bunch of games against, you know, Pitt and, and Virginia Tech and and these programs that uh, you know matter to this fan base. Now it makes it harder for Neil Brown to do his job when you've got <laughs> really good Power Five opponents in your non-conference schedule. Um, that 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 makes it the 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 stakes a little bit higher in September for sure. But I love that that they continue to schedule these games and and they're going to play. Uh, West Virginia is going to play Pitt uh, in eight of the next 11 years. So I think that's awesome. And this is the first one back. West Virginia won three in a row before that was shut down. Um, and you're right, Sam. I think that the the way that the Big East kind of crumbled there, you know, killed a lot of these. And, and, and you know, the, to the younger fan, it's easy to forget how competitive and awesome some of those, those uh, you know, Big East races were a, a decade ago. You know, um, I, I think it's great to have this back. And, you know, excited to talk about it with, with Neil Brown, but man, I, I, it's a game that, especially with the way these teams are set up and, and, and we will talk about it plenty with, with, uh, with Neil Brown about where West Virginia is at, but just with looking at Pitt and bringing in Keaton Silvis from USC, um, and, and having to reload the way they did after winning the ACC last year. Um, they're, they're just one of those teams. I don't have a great feel for, I don't know about you. Um, I, I don't have a great feel for just how, you know, yeah, there's preseason top 25 expectations, but is that just kind of uh, rolled over from last year, or is this a team that, that is going to look really different with how much has changed at Pitt, um, starting with the QB position with with losing Kenny Pickett? So uh, another another opener where you, you're just you're going to find out a lot about a team that you don't know a lot about in, in, in Pitt, and I think the same is probably true of West Virginia. Yeah, no, no doubt with West Virginia. Obviously, you got a, a new coordinator there with Graham Harrell and new quarterback with JT Daniels. And I think this is kind of where we are in college football in, in the transfer portal era. Obviously, coaches have always changed, but now player movement is so much more frequent that it is really hard to get a read on what teams are going to look like in week one. And, and, and I think these two teams are perfect examples of it. And that's why we look forward to these games so much is because we'll get a, we'll overreact to them because it'll be our first look at them. But it's, it's our first chance to get a true data point, true read. So I, I think it is compelling for those reasons. But again, just some old-fashioned hate between fan bases that have a lot mm -hmm. of history and intensity in their rivalry. I, that, that, to me, is part of what makes college football special. It's why we love it. Uh, it's part of the fabric of this sport, and and so I'm super excited about about this game, and and we're excited to have Coach Neil Brown joining us here on the podcast to talk about the backyard brawl. We're now joined by West Virginia head coach Neil Brown, heading into his fourth season in Morgantown, and uh, huge game. Well, by the time you're hearing this, it's tonight. We didn't interview Neil Brown pregame that that wouldn't make sense coach you're a busy guy but we we're taping this on tuesday uh coach thanks for for joining the show how you doing i'm good yeah i'm good i, I would have uh, as much as i like you guys i probably would have declined on game day but i'm more than happy to do it on a tuesday there people people <laughs> would question you a little bit yeah if you were doing interviews up till kickoff um thank you for joining us here so pretty exciting game to start off here thursday night um Obviously, we are continuing a, a game that's that's got a lot of history here that got disrupted by realignment 
being so close to Pittsburgh, Neil, uh, just in terms of where y'all are looking at, like what, what's this one mean to you and your guys? Well, so it's been an educational deal for our players and our staff, really. The game hasn't been played since 2011. So if you put that in perspective, guys on our team that are going to play um, on Thursday night were six, seven, and eight years old. And so they just the game doesn't resonate. So we had to educate them. Um, but this is this game's uh, very, very important because it's important to our fans. You know, this is one that – this is a rivalry that they constantly talk about. Um, this is a game that they've missed since we've joined the Big 12. And the Big 12 has been great, but we've lost some natural rivalries. And and this is one of the best rivalries in all of college football. It's been played over 100 years. Um, it's almost it, it's almost dead even um, since World War II. Um, there's only – you know, it's an hour and ten minutes. You know, West Virginians go into Pittsburgh all the time. You know, so it's, a, it's close in proximity. Um, and so, hey, it's a tough opener. But there's a lot of excitement around around this uh, this region right now because of the game. Be, being so close to them, just location wise, and being in different conferences, is that a staff you're friendly with, or is there enough recruiting head to heads that you you're not as tight with those guys? Yeah, we do we do a lot of recruiting. I don't I don't really know those guys a whole lot. You know, Mark Whipple, who's their offensive coordinator last year. Um, now he and I were close. I played for him at the University of Massachusetts. He gave me my first opportunity as a graduate assistant. So, so he and I were really close um, just, you know, because I played for him and he's been sure. one of the mentors in the profession, but um, not a lot of crossover uh, between the two staffs um, now, now that whip's gone. What, what is the preparation for this? Like specifically when you, as you mentioned with Mark Whipple, um, you know, he's moved on to Nebraska. Kenny Pickett's moved on to the NFL. Jordan Addison's moved on to USC you're you're dealing with a lot of uncertainties here for a week one game and in, in just in terms of what they're going to look like. How's that process been of preparing? You know, there are there are some some questions without a doubt. You know, like Frank Signetti's their offense coordinator and he's been doing it for a really long time, but he's also done it a lot of different ways. So he's been an NFL coordinator, he's been a college coordinator. Um, he's ran a whole bunch of different style of offenses. Um and so this group personnel wise is quite a bit different than the group we had at, B- at Boston college. So there's some definitely some, um, unexpected, uh, or, or I guess not, not unexpected is not the right word. Not really sure what we're going to see, um, from, from what Pitt's going to do offensively, defensively, it's opposite. We know what they're going to do. Uh, coach Narduzzi's built his really entire program. His entire coaching uh, career has been built around defense and what they do. They're going to, they're going to play cover four and they're going to press their corners and they're going to move the defensive line and, and let their linebackers shoot gaps. That's what they've done. They've done it at a really high level for a long time. Neil, you entered your fourth year at West Virginia. Obviously, you had some time to set culture and expectations and all that. When you look at this team right now and what you guys accomplish in training camp, what are some of the things you love about your team heading into the season? Yeah, I like the mentality of our team. If you look at offensively and defensively, we got some guys with great stories. And kind of what my message to them has been is, you know, if you look at our defense, to give an example, you know, Dante Stills, who's the leader of our defensive front, is coming back for a fifth year. That really wasn't his plan, you know, but here he is. If you look at Taj Austin, who's a starting defensive end, you know, he's had two two season-ending injuries, but here he is. You know, he's come back player of the year last year. Um, 
are both our Mike and our Will linebackers, Lance Dixon and Lee Coba, who I think are really good football players. They're both they're both transfers. You know, they had to transfer. We've got uh, three FCS starters in the secondary that have transferred up. Uh, if you look at offensively, we've got a couple guys that are back for their six years. You know, JT was the number one player in the country. You know, and, and here's what I mean by this is maybe their career didn't go as planned when they were ma- when they were sitting there charting it out when they were 16, 17 years old. But we all end up in a place where it can finish the way they want, you know, because we're going to line up on on Thursday night. Uh, college game day is going to be there. It's going to be the most anticipated game on t- television Thursday night. Um, we're playing an NFL stadium. gets a heated rivalry. So even though the buildup, you know, maybe your career didn't go exactly the way you want, but now you got a chance. And and so this team has a huge chip on their shoulder, and I'm looking forward to watching them play. You you mentioned JT Daniels. Um, you know, what has he, he proved to you over the past four months since he made that commitment? Obviously, that's such a huge – uh, you know, piece you had to kind of figure out with this team. Yeah, well, he got here in May. You know, he had to graduate from Georgia. Um, and and really, I think the couple things that stick out, he's, he was intentional about building relationships within, within the team, which I think is vital. Um, he did a nice job with that. Um, he, he formed chemistry with his receivers. Uh, there's a high level of buy-in offensively and team-wide and what he brings to the table. Um, he's really intelligent. Uh, he's been accurate with the football, throws the deep ball, ver- and he puts it in a spot where where our guys can make the plays. And you know, like I said, he he's you know, he's got a great story, which you, both you guys know. I mean, he's the number one player in the country. Graduates high school a year early, starts at USC as a high school senior, basically first true freshman to start their game one. Um, wins a job, Graham's first year, tears ACL, goes to Georgia. Takes a little longer to recover, but wins the job in 20, wins the job in 21, you know, and and, and he gets injured in 21 on the way to a national championship. So he's hungry and, and he's performed well in camp. Neil, of course, you brought in another new face on offense and Graham Harrell. I, I'm from Texas. I remember Graham Harrell when he was setting records at, in his high school and uh, beating Texas with Texas Tech and Michael Crabtree in 2008. But he's turned out to be a pretty good coach himself. Uh, what what attracted you to Graham and to bring him in this program, and what do you expect to see from this offense under his tutelage? Well, the the why first I'll answer that. Um, similar offensive backgrounds, you know. Um, he played for Mike Leach. Mike Leach was my position coach at Kentucky my first year, and then Hal Mummy was the head coach when I was at Kentucky. So. Um, now, he was a hell of a lot better player than I was. But <laughs> we were on, you know, like let's, let's get that out there first. But from a – we played in similar offenses coming up. Um, I liked his pedigree, his dad being a high school coach. Um, I understood the background of of that. I, mean, I come from a education family too, coaching family. So uh, I was drawn to that. I like the fact that he's been in two different places um, where – it wasn't necessarily – he didn't run an offense that was um, what what people think of as traditional air raid, both at North Texas. They had success running the football. They had success at USC running the football. 
um, any one, any any play to his strengths when they when they won. You know, like last year, people don't talk about it, but they played a ton of twelve personnel at the end of the year because the tight ends were two of the better players. Um, and so I liked his ability um, to to take the personnel he had and 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 have have positive results with that. And then from a person personality standpoint, he, his likability factor is really high. Um, people like being around him. He's positive every day. He has a very strong belief, and that belief is contagious. Um, and so that's the why behind him. You know, um, as far as is the second part of the question is, I think Sam, and correct me. I'm, I'm sometimes I forget the, uh, if you give me two parts now. I'm from Kentucky. <laughs> second, when you were asking me, what does it look? About? What is our offense going to look like? Is that what you were asking? Yeah, yeah. What, what just what what should fans expect to see? Yeah, so we've got a group up front. You know, four out of the five have played a ton of football, and so you know we expect to be better up front. And the run game, it's going to be tough in game one, but I like our running backs. I think we have a good crew there. And then our wide receivers have shown flashes. We need them to be consistent. We have talent. We really do. I mean, when we look up, when we step off the bus, people are going to like the way we look at, at wide out. They just got to be consistent making plays, which they have. They changed their work ethic. Uh, I'm pleased what they did during fall camp. Now it's about going out and doing it on the game field. Um, but we have good pieces. I think we'll, we can be balanced. We need to we need to be more explosive, you know, getting the ball downfield. And I think that's something we've really concentrated on. Now, I don't know how much you've dealt with this already in scrimmages or, or just preparation or whatever, but how strange is it going to feel for you on Thursday night not calling plays? Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's different. It's different. You know, like what I always tell Graham is like, I, I want to be a resource. That's, you know what I mean? Like, um, I'm not going to like – that's uh, getting away. Like all our conversations about what we're going to do and how we're going to attack situations is going to be done on the lead in into the game. Um, and, but I want to be used as a resource, you know, you know, how can I help you? Uh, I'm not only emotional during the game. So I'm not one of these guys going <laughs> to yell and scream at him like that. I think he feels really comfortable. Uh, we've got a good plan. Um, there's always going to be things that happen that are off script that we'll have to adjust to, but, um, I have full confidence in him. It, for me personally, it's going to be different. Um, you know, I'm probably less stressed going into it because um, I'm asking questions to him to try to get him ready and think through some things. I'm not sitting there having to come up with all the answers, which is which that part of it, I think, has allowed me um, from a you know, one-on-one with our players as we get into game week here, do a better job. You're going to have extra free time, right? Just to go sip a cup of Gatorade or or just chat with the defensive coaches. (laughs) I mean, what are you going to do with all that extra time when you're not going through your head? Here's the best thing that that, this has happened is um, because when I was calling plays and was the offensive coordinator, like, so your head coaching role takes the most. And what happens is, is, the stuff that you're doing from an offensive game planning perspective, a lot of that time is time that you'd be at home or so I was missing a ton of stuff with my kids or I was running myself ragged. And so what's been really um, positive for me is like, I'm able to see my kids games. I'm able to be more present. Uh, I'm doing a better job taking care of myself. You know, those are some things that have been, which 
I don't know if they were necessarily went into my decision making, but those have been some effects that have been positive. Yeah, how are the sports seasons going? So we're getting ready to start high school volleyball, man. I'm a father of a high schooler, which I'm having a hard time coming to grips with. Okay. Wow. <laughs> that's where that's where we're at right now. So we kick out our volleyball starts in about another week. Uh, my middle is she's full roll, full going and and travel soccer right now. And and so they're playing, they're playing matches on the weekend. And then Dax has started flag football practice game start next week. So man, Brooke is uh is she is running the taxi right now. Does Dax think he does he think he knows what he's gonna play football wise? Does he think well, good thing about flags, everybody the good thing about flags everybody's receiver, right? Yeah, so right. Everybody, you know, <laughs> we're still in the deal where the dads are the quarterbacks. So um he's uh he's he's a receiver right now. He it's it's been neat because he's seven years old now. So he's getting to the point where like he likes being around the players, you know, and like he can sit around and, and after practice when Brooke will bring him up, he can play catch with the guys and they're like not knocking him down. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> he's, at a, he's at a fun age where he's like, he's, he's enjoying being around. That's awesome. You know, I, I was going to ask you last thing here, coach, appreciate your time. Um, you're, you're in the grind now, but did you, did you take, any good vacations or pick up any hobbies this summer or off season? Did you have any personal time whatsoever? Yeah. So we, we working on, and now summer sports eat into it because both our girls are into softball. So no doubt. That, that takes a lot of time, but now we went, we went to the beach for, uh, I think we were gone for about 10 days and that was good. Um, it's kind of where our kids got so many activities. It's kind of good when you get them all in one place. Um, that so that was positive hobbies, man. I wish like I like golf. I haven't played golf since Dax was born, so I'm gonna get around. I'm gonna get around <laughs> to that at some point. <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna be a few years on that. You you just set off on the side for these uh, you know charity invitationals and whatever whatever alumni stuff y'all do. Yeah, I just I go to the dinners. Okay, <laughs> that's what I, that's what, that's what I do. They don't want to play with me anyway. So you got to get Dax hitting in the backyard. You got to get him hacking, hacking hey. at some balls in the backyard. That's how you get on the course. Get him into it, and then he'll come with you. So I had it all set. I was ready, Sam. So I was. I'm, I'm with you. So we've got a a good pro around in Morgantown that gives lessons. He's supposed to be great with kids, and so Dax had no interest. I brought it up oh. like four times because we. I, I was going to do <laughs> dual lessons, man. I was going to go back. Like I figure, if I haven't played in seven years, like. I can start from scratch from my swing, right? Only time I've hit balls is on at Top Golf a couple times. So I'm like, I can start from scratch. I'm going to let him go, um, and we'll do this together. Nope, zero interest. Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> I got mine into it. My seven year old, I got into it last year, and then we we have not stayed with it. So uh, that's something both you and I both got to do. We got to get 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 them on the course for a little bit. Yeah, I'm 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 in on it. Coach, last thing, French fries on a sandwich, pro or per anti? This is just a backyard brawl question yeah, for you. Yeah, it doesn't make <laughs> sense to me. doesn't make sense to you? No, it doesn't make sense to me. I want, I want sandwich fries on the side. Okay. All right. There you go. There you go. Neil Brown. Nebraska thing? Are, are we doing that in Nebraska? I, I, no, we, you know, we're still stuck with the with the Runzas out here and, and our own little traditions. But, you know, the Permani Brothers, I didn't know if you'd found a sandwich there you liked. So, I, I do like Permani Brothers. Um, and... Now the Permani brothers, we're it's it's hard to talk about Permani brothers sandwiches 
like on a podcast because they're listening. But they're literally like listeners. If you can put two normal sandwiches, maybe three normal sandwiches together, you get a Permani Brothers sandwich. And mm-hmm. anything that you would normally have on your plate is actually on the sandwich. And so I'm a fan, but I kind of just knock one of the, the buns off and then kind of eat with a fork. What? Well, which one did you go with there? Anything? Max, I don't have the menu right in front of me. I'm going with uh, <laughs> the uh, they've, got, they've got like a uh, uh, they've got a, it's a burger deal that I usually get. Okay, get. yeah, good call. On the spot, man. Like I've already I promo for Manny Brothers right there. I, I didn't I didn't have the man uh, the menu pulled up. I know, I know. You don't need the free sponsorships, but <laughs> we appreciate the plug there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no problem. Neil Brown, thank you so much for your time, and, and best of luck to you against Pitt. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me on. Well, Max, that was fun. Uh, glad to get Neil Brown on a big week. Uh, not just talk about this game, but talk about <laughs> talk about. I know, I know. Our our fudging our fudging podcast. The uh, no Neil Neil's a good dude. He's uh, done a like I say. I think he's done a good job of just kind of resetting things over there in West Virginia. This is a big year for him. This is a big year for West Virginia and, and Neil Brown in that program. His fourth year there. You know, I think you've seen some signs. In my opinion, I, I watched them play, and they play hard for him. But they they went through a lot this off season with uh, losing guys in the portal. Obviously, bringing in some new faces as well. Uh, this is going to be a game where we really find out a lot about West Virginia. I think. I think so, and and they're they're that's a team that you're right. It's been a transitional off season uh, where you you obviously make the big change on offense. Uh, they they did you know lose a bunch of players to the portal. Not not many of them starters. Uh, I mean, obviously, Akeem Mesidor is a big one in terms of him moving on to Miami. But um, that is a, a program that I think they've done. And he mentioned it in terms of just the stories behind the guys that they that they're working with this year. I, I think they did a good job of bringing in players who really want to be at West Virginia. And and, and sometimes that's a group of five or, or an FCS player, as he mentioned, who it's not about NIL. It's not about kind of what can you do for me? It's they, they look at West Virginia and say, this is a big platform to, to really play well. And, and I think nowadays you can add experienced players uh, to your roster that, that help fill those gaps. And um, yeah, so from that standpoint, how they roll out on, on Thursday, it's going to be interesting to see because you're going to have a lot of new faces. You're going to have a lot of players that um, we just don't know how good they are yet and, and what can they become this season. But I think West Virginia is a team that, in talking to people around the program, I think the expectation is, you know, this team should be able to win seven or eight games, I think. Uh, you know, and, and that would be a, a nice step forward in terms of where they need to get to. Um, you know, frankly, the big difference is the, is the quarterback position. And, and, and there's just a real, it, from, from folks I talk to, there's a real sense that, that Daniels is the kind of player that, you know, and they told him this when they recruited him. This is the kind of guy that, that can up their win total by a couple games, they feel like, just because they – when you look at the Big 12, Sam, you know you play a ton of close games, and uh, in his in, in Neil Brown's experience so far at West Virginia, I think I I believe they're seven and six in, in uh, one score Big 12 games, and so when you've got that position right, and and, and I don't know that they really have over their their first uh, you know three years there, I, I I think that that can make a huge difference, and so a healthy 
JT Daniels that I think understands this is this is the last stop. This is the place you got to put it all together. Um, I, I I do think he he raises the standard there. So what do you what do you make of the Daniels versus Slovis uh, showdown here? I mean, I think there's that like you said, portal era. This is part of, you know this is how it goes these days. It's a pretty fitting way to kick off week one here in terms of uh, of how the sport's going now. But what, what would you expect in terms of just uh, that showdown? I think just like anything, when when you get in these situations and you got new faces, you're gonna you're gonna be some kinks. There's gonna be some growing pains. Nothing's gonna. There, look there's gonna be a really good one. first quarter script, and then it's all gonna, right. It's all gonna go to hell after that. That's it. After we you get know? after we get off the script, buddy, it, it gets a little hairy. Uh, I think we saw that a little bit maybe in the Nebraska game. We saw well. Nebraska Northwestern for sure. Yeah. <laughs> once you're off the script, all bets are off. It, it, it's gonna be fascinating to see, and I'm I think I'm most intrigued. Also, by the way, who'd have thought we were gonna see Keaton Slovis at Pitt and Jordan Addison at USC, by the way, but um, <laughs> that, that tells you how much this sport has changed. But I, I'm most intrigued to see what Graham Harrell does with his offense because he he got a really quick start to his career. Uh, his first coordinator job was at North Texas, and he had a nice, uh, talented, at least at that level, group of five quarterback and Mason Fine. And those two guys made magic together uh, in Denton for a little while, and then of course he went on on to USC, and then things you know obviously didn't end well there for, for that regime last year. And this is a chance for Graham to kind of put his stamp and and kind of recapture some of the buzz that was around his name. There was one time where people were talking about him as potential head coaching material. Yeah. Uh, obviously, some of that has slowed since the USC stint, but I'm fascinated to see him and JT Daniels together, what they're able to do and what that offense looks like. Can they really supercharge that offense? That they go, If there was something that's been missing in that West Virginia offense, it's consistency at quarterback. And and so, how much can that can he, that happen? Dude now? was seven and zero at Georgia. I mean, the dude when when he when he was out there for Georgia, and that was a small sample size. But when he was out there, you know, I think he played pretty well at times, especially to finish up twenty twenty. And you know, can you bring the standard that you saw at Georgia uh, in terms of a national championship team? Can you bring that to West Virginia? I, I imagine that's going to be huge for that yeah, team. Yeah, no doubt. And and I think they've got a, they've got enough returnees. And you mentioned Neil mentioned a guy like Dante Stills. You bring enough guys like that back. That, that know your culture and and can and can keep guys uh, accountable and things like that. I think I think that goes a long way too. So I'm really fascinated to see what this team looks like. But it's here, Max. We got games Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Hey, talking Monday. season's over, buddy. I'm ex- let's let's put this to bed and, and watch some football. Let's do it. Let's do it. For, for Max, I'm Sam Khan. Thanks for listening. Uh, make sure you follow the Andy Staple Show and Friends feed on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to Andy Staples Show on the YouTube page. You always have good content coming there. After the Nebraska game on Saturday, Andy, Max, Ari Washman, Chris Vanini all had a really, really good reaction show right after that Nebraska-Northwestern game. So be sure to check out the feed there as well. Andy and Ari will be back later this week with their weekly bets edition. I'm excited to hear whatever wild bet they have uh, cooked up for us this week. And uh, for again, for Max, I'm Sam Kahn. Thank you so much for joining us. Take care, and we'll see you soon.